Welcome to Dear Wallflower, your podcast advice column where every week your hosts will answer a letter from listeners just like you, answering the big life questions facing today's women. Make sure to stick around for our weekly recommendations on books, movies, music, lifestyle, beauty, and more. We're so glad you're here. Grab a cup of tea and come on in. Welcome, dear listeners, to this episode of Dear Wallflower. I am your host, Kelia Clarkson. I am an actress, writer, filmmaker, and the editor-in-chief of Wallflower Journal. And with me today is my lovely co-host, Jessica Schroeder. I'm a writer and PhD candidate, a food blogger, tea drinker, and adjunct theology professor. And today, we are very excited to welcome our first guest to the podcast, Joanna Meyer. Joanna is Director of Public Engagement at Denver Institute for Faith and Work, where she founded Women, Work, and Calling, a national initiative that equips Christian women for godly influence in public life. She is also an aunt, a Mexican food aficionado, and a bunny wrangler. Joanna, welcome to the show. Hi, ladies. It's great to be with you. I want to thank each and every listener who's tuning in today, wherever you might find yourself. We are just so glad that you decided to join us today. We're going to be getting into this week's letter in just a few moments. But first, I wanted to get into a new pre-letter segment that we have started called Roses and Thorns, where we recount our highs and lows of the week, starting with our biggest challenges and frustrations that week, and finishing off with a blessing or a positive experience that we had. So Jessica, what was this week's thorn for you? And what was this week's rose? Gladly. So unfortunately, my my thorn was having a migraine this week, uh, which brought with it a lingering headache. So it definitely threw off the rhythm of my week and notably um, put a wrench into my productivity. But um, I guess on the plus side of the thorn, before I even get to my rose, it, it did force me to kind of pull back, which maybe perhaps I needed. So for those of us that find ourselves with challenges that slow us down, maybe we need to pay attention to why we might need to be slowing down. Um, <laughs> But thankfully, as the week went on, migraine went away and my rose um, bloomed, as it were. I would say for that is my a lovely date night that my husband and I had last night. And we tried a new, well, new to us at least, a Tex-Mex restaurant that one of my dear friends recommended as her favorite Mexican in the state of Colorado. And she has lived in Texas. And mm. I see Joanna's face is lighting up. <laughs> I think that if she hasn't been there, it's La Loma. I don't know if oh, you Oh, yes, know downtown. It. Yeah. So this is the one in Castle Rock that we went to. And I guess during the day, the views are fantastic. And, but we were there at nighttime and so it was dark outside and we got an absolute gem of a table and there were strung lights just everywhere that made me feel like I was in the midst of the lanterns and tangled. So it's just very beautiful and sweet and food wise, their salsa was the highlight for me, I think. And of course their fresh homemade flour, um, sorry, flour tortillas that they make Mm. in house. So yum. That yeah, sounds that was so good. A lovely rose after the thorn of my <laughs> Wow. Joanna, what about your thorn and your rose? Oh, my thorn was I live in a very drafty townhouse and the cold weather arrived in Denver this week. Oh. And all of my like anti-draft 
supplies I can't find. They're lost somewhere in my house. And so I was thinking, oh, this will just be easy. I'll just put them up. And now I have to figure out where in my house they are. So that's the thorn is digging through boxes to figure out where my draft blocker stuff is. Uh, The rose would be, I had a bunch of friends in town. I have um, one of the sweetest things of my adult life and career is that I have a community of women who lead within the faith and workspace, which is this little niche of Christendom I work in. And a bunch of them were in town this week. Um, We have a monthly Zoom call. We're all from all over the world. And it was just such a gift to get to be with them in person this week. They're just my dear friends and allies and cheerleaders. So it was a blast. Mm, So cool. Oh, that's a lovely, that's a lovely rose. Mm-hmm. Um, as for my thorn this week, as a quick, quick preface, I often work on television and movie sets throughout the week. And this week proved to be a particularly challenging and tiring one with my ultimate thorn of the week being a 15 hour workday oh. and having to get home in the pouring rain. And on top of that, the weather here in New York has officially turned and it's just plain nasty outside. But all of this was made up for by my rose this week, which was going to a wonderful mixer for Christian creatives here in the city, organized actually by my husband, Nathan, and a few of his colleagues. And side note, for those who don't know, my husband runs a Nathan, or <laughs> <laughs> that was great. <laughs> he does, I guess he kind of runs a Nathan. He is Nathan. Um, no, my husband, Nathan, runs a podcast called The Overthinkers, which if you haven't, anyone listening should definitely go check out. It's an incredibly engaging podcast where both the listeners and the hosts have fun thinking deeply and asking the big questions of life. But anyway, this mixer was just so much fun and it was a chance to connect with like-minded individuals and all around just a lovely way to kick off the holiday season. All right. So a couple of things before we move on to our letter this week, if you have been enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a review. It really helps boost the podcast and just keep getting in front of other people that might enjoy it and get something from it. And we would also love to encourage you to send in your own letter to Dear Wallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. We would be honored to speak into the issues that you are facing today. Okay, so let's move on to our letter for today. I'm very excited to talk about this, especially with Joanna here today. It covers the subject of finding your calling and passion when you've struggled to find something that you're particularly passionate about. So here we go. Dear Wallflower, I grew up in a home that did not encourage learning new things. I never got particularly skilled at anything, and there is nothing I am particularly passionate about. I'm a stay-at-home mom who one day wants to pass on to my children heirlooms I have created, like crochet or poetry, anything. If I were to be completely honest, I would say I feel as if I'm less than those around me because I have nothing interesting I can contribute to the world. Where can someone like me begin who is getting a late start growing into who I desire to be? Sincerely, Late Bloomer. Joanna, what are your thoughts for our late bloomer? Well, first I would say it's never too late to grow in freedom and curiosity and authenticity of becoming the woman that God made you to be. So the questions that you're asking are important. I mean, I want to encourage you that this is an ideal time to be able to, to move forward into discovering these things. Um, one thing that stood out to me is at the heart of our writer's question is, a sense of how she perceives herself 
as someone who isn't interesting or hasn't had opportunities in life. Um, and so I would just encourage her to press into that a little bit more to figure out, you know, what has contributed to me um, feeling this way about myself. I have been inspired even into my adulthood um, by the character Anne Shirley from Ellen Montgomery's Anne of Green Gables series. <laughs> and one of the things I love about Anne is that um, she is a curious person, but one of her guiding philosophies in life was it's not um, what life holds for you, it's what you bring to it. And so in response to this reader, I would say, I think you're at a critical point of beginning to shift how you see yourself and also your ability to engage life to begin thinking, what can I bring to the situation um, and seeing potential rather than um, lack a practical tip I would have for you would um, to be invited, inviting a trusted friend or potentially a therapist into this conversation with you. Because I think part of what she's describing is a sense of being disconnected from her heart. And she says, I'm not interested or curious about anything. Sometimes if we're not feeling like deeply connected to who God has made us to be and at peace um, at a heart level, that can make us see life differently and not engage life with creativity and curiosity. And so I think I would dig a little bit deeper with some trusted friends or professional to figure out what's going on at a heart level that would make you feel that way. Um, and then I would just encourage you to allow your curiosity to flow. And, you know, if you haven't given yourself the freedom to live a curious life, it's not going to happen automatically. It's not like turning on a faucet of water. It may be something that you begin to practice. Um, I had a conversation recently with a friend of mine who is, uh, her name's Sabrina Little. She's a national champion ultra runner. She's won, um, you know, these hundred mile races running faster than anyone else. And she's also an ethics professor. And so for her, she sees the training that she does running to preparing to run these races as practice for virtues in real life. Jessica, you would love her. I need to make sure you awesome. get a chance to hear this conversation with her. But she would say, we often practice through the exercises of daily life, in her case, training for these races, um, we can practice virtue or character qualities in the context of the things we do every day. They don't happen automatically. And so when it comes to curiosity, I would say you can begin to practice that. And I be, I've seen a couple things in that letter that suggest that there are um, areas of interest that could be explored. Like um, she writes and says that I want to pass on heirlooms to my kids. And so I'd say, well, what is it that makes something an heirloom? What is it about and passing something on to your kids that interests you. I would dig a little bit deeper into say, why is that a value? Why is that so important to me? Because in pursuing that, you may be able to spark your curiosity. You may be able to practice being curious in small ways, um, in ways that that translate, uh, you know, into your broader life. Um, I also think one of the challenges of being at home with kids is that life can feel um, more narrowly defined. And I don't think it has to be. But it may be time to be re-examining um, the patterns that you have related to homeschooling, the way you're managing household responsibilities with your husband, just to see, do I need to be cutting a little space into my daily life or routines that would encourage and allow me to be trying some new things? And it doesn't have to be big. You don't have to go skydiving all of a sudden, <laughs> but maybe... Um, <laughs> 
like she mentioned crocheting, maybe there's a local community uh, of crocheters. I'm involved in our craft community here in the Denver metro area and know that there are often rich communities of creatives in different types that are out there, or maybe something you find through an online community. But beginning to examine both at a heart level and a practical level, how can you make space for small exercises of creativity and engagement? Wow. That's incredible. Just taking those, those little steps. Cause I think the hard thing about, you know, trying to discover, okay, what is my passion is we think a passion has to be this big grand, you know, thing. And it's about, I, I love that you highlighted it. No, it's about taking the smaller steps. And also, Anne Shirley, I feel like she always has a quote for everything, <laughs> just any situation. Anne Shirley probably had something to say about it. Mm-hmm. I like to Joanna that you point out that curiosity is something that we have to work at um mm-hmm. that discovering what might interest us and even just acting on that curiosity it's not it's not a light switch and I think that's helpful f- for providing a bit of um healthy expectation of of what this process might feel like that um it might come in fits and starts and that's okay you know if you find yourself really curious and interested in in one day or one moment. And then later in the day, maybe you feel a little bit down and, and, and not as excited anymore. Like that, that might be an, a natural ebb and flow and um, not to not be surprised or discouraged by that. I think that's a good word that you offered. Mm. Oh yeah. And I think realizing too, I'm going to put on my, uh, my theological hat for a second in <laughs> oh, what I do good. in my day job at the Institute for Faith and Work. You know, one of the things that has been so helpful for me is having a big view of what God values. Um, Because so often, you know, depending on your faith tradition, you may be told that certain things are of higher importance to the Lord, like Mm -hmm. Bible study, sharing your faith, uh, worshiping a church, things like that. And the reality is, you know, in the opening pages of Genesis, we see God inviting, making us in his image. Um, So that sense of just by nature of who we are, we have a unique role to play in the world. And every one of us has a different way that we reflect who God is. And so that's incredibly life-affirming to our writer to realize there are certain ways that God's expressed in the world through who she is that can only be expressed through who she is. Um, And what an incredible gift that is to each of us to know that God has made us that way. But he also invites us into the created world to engage it. And that begins to spark our curiosity, like what in the world does that mean? But you see that in, you know, in Genesis, he invites us to be like him and in, in being workers and engaging the creative world. And he, in fact, he entrusts the world to us to make something of it. Um, and so all of a sudden you realize like, oh, the material stuff of daily life, our relationships, the knowledge that we share to kids, all of that is reflected of making something of the world, of culture, um, mm. of the physical things that matter. So uh, a beautifully crocheted doily has value in God's eyes um, because it's an expression of creativity and productive engagement. And so that can sound very theoretical, but what I love about it is that it opens all of life to us as a place to be explored and developed and steward. And and just to realize that that really has value in the life of a Christian is important. Mm. When you started saying that everything is valuable in the eyes of God, I was reminded of one of my favorite quotes from St. Therese, which is, remember that nothing is small in the eyes of God. Do all that you do with love. 
Totally. Yeah. Totally. And offered as a, offered as a gift. There's a lot of room for exploration. If you want to read, if you want to get, be a little more heady in how you approach this challenge, I would recommend Andy Crouch's book, Culture Making, Hmm. um, which is just a fascinating, it's very accessible and yet it'll spark your interest in what does it mean to, to, as a Christian, to make something of the world? Yes. Mm -hmm. I think too, um, if I can add in Makoto Fujimura, um, culture care, is Ooh. probably along those same lines and a similar a similar kind of approach. I have a question for Jessica about this because I Ooh. know Jessica as a friend. You are <laughs> someone that um, really values the culinary arts. Um, yes. I know that you're very <laughs> thoughtful about how you prepare and enjoy food. And I think that's an exercise of curiosity. How do you, how are you a culture maker or a curious person through the food that you eat and enjoy? Ooh, that's a great question. You know, it's, it's, both personal and um, I feel like societal, cultural, if I could say it that way, in the sense of, I guess on the, on the more immediate personal level, it's, well, what do I like to eat? What does my husband Daniel enjoy? Like, how do we craft and create things that are enjoyable and delightful to us while also nourishing our bodies well? But then on the more societal and cultural level, I've been learning so much more lately about the idea of stewardship and how we steward um, both our bodies and the land by what we choose to eat or choose to refrain from eating. So learning more about how, like you said, Joanna, God created um, the garden, uh, you know, in, in the beginning, and he put us there to to work it and to keep it. And, and we are still stewards of the land, first and foremost. And so to try to uncover how we can still see joy as a thing to gather around and to delight in, but also something that is a way of recognizing what I do with my food daily has implications for how I'm caring for and stewarding the land. And that is something that matters to God. And he put me here to care about that. So mm-hmm. I feel like learning and being curious, you know, throughout the week, I, I learn on, in my free time about that. And I try to implement it into, into my food choices. Yeah. That's incredible. Jessica, I want to get into your thoughts for our late bloomer as well. Sure. Yeah, I would start by saying to Late Bloomer that I'm so sorry that your home did not um, encourage learning new things. Mm-hmm. That That is heartbreaking to me. Um, but I'm so glad that you now see the value of this and are seeking to try something new, to grow, and to develop. And for anyone listening, like Joanna said, it's never too late to learn or to try something new. And I think that lifelong learning is a terrific value to hold and to live out in practice I also want to provide a brief point of potential reorientation. Uh, Late Bloomer says she has nothing interesting that she can contribute to the world. And I want to come back with, who says? I wonder what definition of interesting she's working with and on what she's basing this belief or assumption. In short, I want to caution our friend not to believe the lies that can be born of unhealthy comparison or even potentially from hurtful things that others might say. So we know whether those are imagined or whether they're actually something that's been explicitly said. When I consider late bloomer situation, what comes to mind for me is a blank canvas. There are different ways to view a blank canvas. Some see nothing, absolutely nothing. (laughs) And others see endless possibility. As discouraged as she might be feeling, I feel like reframing her situation to the positive way of seeing the blank canvas can be a helpful place to start, that the possibilities are endless. 
And to reference, um, I think a a favorite Asian proverb of mine that I've once read and not sure where, I'm sorry, but I once read it somewhere, probably on a fortune cookie (laughs) or something. (laughs) The best time to plant a tree is 10 years ago. The next best time is today. Thus, while it certainly would feel great to already have a set of well-developed skills or a clear sense of what you're passionate about, there's no better time than the present to begin discovering that. There's always time and room to grow. So the key is to stop waiting, begin today. Um, But how can she do this practically? I have uh, three brief suggestions here. First, as Joanna suggested, get curious. What interests you? What do you wish you knew more about? Let curiosity be your guide. And said another way, uh, rather than trying to think about what would be, quote, most logical or most productive to focus on, start with what gets you thinking, what puzzles you in the I want to know more kind of way, and what seems like it might be exciting to explore. Second, I would say pay attention. That is, pay attention to how particular opportunities or topics affect you. What brings you joy? What do you enjoy talking about? There may be an abundance of helpful clues that can guide you if you simply shift your perspective in a way that helps you to see what might already be there. And then third and finally, um, what can you already name about who you desire to be? Late Bloomer asks how she can grow into, quote, who she desires to be. To me, it sounds like there's an implicit sense there of something that she has in mind, even if it's not yet fully formed. So late bloomer, who do you desire to be? What does this phrase mean to you? What what thoughts does it conjure up? I encourage you to sit down maybe with a journal or with a trusted companion if you're more of a verbal processor and consider how you would answer the question, who you desire to be. Consider questions like, what characteristics mark her, this, your potential future self? What skills or abilities does she have? How does she see others and how do they perceive, honor, or value her? What is her purpose? What does she have to give to others? And what value does she create in the world? I realize I had just offered a lot of different questions, but I really believe that a large part of finding our path forward in life is paying attention to how we find ourselves in our current context asking questions of our curiosity, of our sources of joy, and what we hope to become can help us to discover the path that we might take to progress forward in growth, in learning, and in meaningful development. So I hope that some of these questions and postures will help you to discover a path forward that is both life-giving and provides a deeper sense of meaning and purpose for you. Mm, I loved your thought of... um seeing it as a blank canvas. And that's actually a really beautiful thing because Mm. a canvas is meant to be filled. It's not meant to stay blank and it shouldn't overwhelm us. It's an exciting place to be. Yeah. Mm. Well, I I first want to tell our late bloomer, Mm. I'm going to be the third one to say it. Um, She is not less than, she is not less valuable than someone who discovered a passion or calling early in life and chose to pursue it. From where I'm standing, you've already contributed something wonderful. You're a stay-at-home mom, and that's a beautiful, valuable thing. That in itself is a contribution. I say this because I think seeing ourselves as someone who just doesn't have anything interesting to do or hasn't contributed anything can be incredibly devaluing. 
and can lead us to stay in a cycle of, I'm just not like those other people who are doing big and great things. And I think that ultimately hinders your desire to find and ignite your passion. I think it would be helpful to see yourself as someone who has already contributed, contributed and can continue to grow and contribute. And you mentioned growing up in a home that didn't encourage learning new things. So I think the first step in growing into who you desire to be is to commit yourself to learn new things, to see yourself as a student again. There's an element of searching and experimenting and just being open to seeking out new things, new experiences when we're finding something that we're passionate about. And you won't just know out of the blue, okay, this is the thing, this is my passion. Just like we have to try out a new food to know if we like it. We have to try new passions on for size. And just a quick note of caution, especially when you're in the midst of trying out different ideas, don't chase something just because you want to be considered something. And what I mean by this is, I'm speaking from personal experience here. I've met a lot of people who want to be considered actors, but don't actually love acting. They don't love the craft of it. They don't want to deal with the highs and the lows of it, the rejection. They're more interested in being called something than being something. So ask yourself, what are you good at? What do you simply enjoy doing? To get a little bit cheesy, what makes your heart happy when you engage in it? I want to encourage you to follow through on the little ideas that come to you when you think about that person that you want to grow into, as you mentioned in your letter, rather than just allowing them to stay ideas. This can look like learning a new language, taking a cooking class, or learning how to paint. Sounds like you're already interested in leaving a legacy. So this is a beautiful thing. And you mentioned crochet and poetry, so why not try them? This is how you'll come to discover what you really love and what isn't for you. I also want to highlight that any passion will take work and dedication. If you want to invest in something, know it's going to take effort and time. A passion isn't something you're immediately great at. You'll be spending time doing this, so make sure it's something you really, really love. And a passion is something you also naturally gravitate towards. It's not just a random thing that you decide to do. It's your unique way of making the world a more beautiful place. So I think it will coincide with who you already are and what your natural gifts are. So look at the ways that you naturally already help people in your life or contribute to your relationships. If you find yourself naturally counseling people, that might be something to look into. Or naturally serving people, that's another thing to take note of. Speaking from my own experience, I always loved acting from the time that I can remember. And I fell in love with writing as well. And I found that I was also really good at them. These passions and loves of mine have turned into ways that I can be part of helping beautiful stories come to life and reaching people through my writing. And it's all with the hope of contributing something beautiful to the world that I pursue these passions. So to our late bloomer, you're in an exciting season. You're exploring passions and figuring out what you love. Take note of what you already love and what you're really good at where your gifts shine. There's your passion. I hope we were able to offer a little bit of insight. So it's time for our May We Suggest segment of the podcast, where we suggest to you the things that we have been reading, watching, eating, or wearing this week that made us really happy to be alive. 
everything we suggest will be linked in the description of the episode for you to check out. So Joanna, what is your suggestion? Okay. This is a a very surface level suggestion, but I have been making more of an effort to care for my nails. Um, And so I have (laughs) discovered a favorite fingernail polish called Olive and June. They sell it at Target. They also sell it online. And if you get online, you have a much broader choice of fingernail polish colors and they have a whole kit to help you maintain them. And it's great stuff. Super shiny, super long lasting. They'll make it easy for your hands to look great. There's no problem with surface level. <laughs> no, it's great. They're fantastic. No. So check out Olive June Nail Polish. And this is a great time of year because they have all kinds of holiday deals and bonuses and stuff going on. So it's now's the time to discover them. That's so true. Uh, I I love walking around with pretty nails. It immediately mm-hmm. just makes me feel so put together and <laughs> everything. That's a wonderful suggestion. Um, Jessica, what is your suggestion this week? I would like to suggest De Pensée radio on Spotify. I'll say that again and I'll spell it. De Pensée. Yes, it is French. D-E-U-X space P-E-N-S-E-E-S. De Pensée. It's a song by the artist Darker in Vine. And uh, this song is like the epitome of what I love in music. It's ethereal. It's emotionally evocative. It's full of what I would say, um, delicious dissonance (laughs) as a kind of a choir, past choir nerd. um, Yes, delicious (laughs) delicious dissonance is definitely a thing because then it resolves and it's, oh, it's just, it it makes, it gives me like the, I call the holy shivers. It's a better term than goosebumps. So anyway, since it's instrumental, this song and then the the, the songs that come along with it in, in the radio, it's just a great background for writing and for working. And uh, But I would also encourage you to listen to De Pensée, the song on its own, um, just simply to be transported by the power of beautifully composed music. Incredible. Delicious dissonance. I love that. That <laughs> <laughs> should like be on a t-shirt or something. <laughs> uh, this week I'm suggesting one of my favorite holiday treats, and that is the Ghirardelli peppermint bark. And I'm not even much of a chocolate person. But these peppermint bark chocolate bars are something I look forward to all year long. And I finally get to indulge in them over the holidays. It's not too sweet. It has a perfect touch of peppermint, just like a whisper and a nice little crunch to it. And it would also be a really fun and simple stocking stuffer. So please give yourself a little treat this Christmas and eat some Ghirardelli peppermint bark. All right. To wrap up this episode, before we go, Joanna, how can listeners get in contact with you and check out what you are up to? Oh, you could find me on Instagram at Joanna Meyer. It's spelled M-E-Y-E-R-C-O or my work at womenworkandcalling.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn if people are more professionally minded. Lovely. And Jessica, how can listeners get in contact with you? Yes, listeners can find me in my food and lifestyle blog, thisrealjourney.com and on Instagram at Jessica J. Schroeder. And if you want to get in contact with me, you can search my name on any of the socials and reach out. And of course, please check out Wallflower Journal, where we have new articles coming out every single week about relationships, beauty, recipes, personal stories, and so much more. Once again, thank you so much for joining us today, Joanna. And we hope everyone enjoyed this episode and we will talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Dear Wallflower today. If you have a question you'd like answered, 
you can send your letter to Dear Wallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. Every letter we read will be kept totally anonymous. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.